Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> Boy, if you're part of the service Wednesday night, tremendous service. Uh, the content was very, was very heavy, and it's not always like that on a Wednesday night, but that was the direction that the Lord led us. And so we're going to give you something a little lighter today, but something super important. And, uh, and so I hope that you'll really uh, hang with us today. And, and so 2 Timothy chapter number 2, and uh, we're going to start in verse number 1. And so when you find your place, if you'll stand with us, out of respect for the reading of God's Word. What a great, great book the book of 2 Timothy is. We've enjoyed working our way through this on Countdown to Courage. Um, and we're, even, even now, we're specifically in the second chapter uh, on Countdown to Courage. But God gave me a, a, a message here that I wanted to share with our church family and not, not just the Countdown family. And so 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 1 the Bible says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, Yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. And then Paul says in verse number 9, wherein, because of this message, because of this message of the gospel, because of this message of the resurrection, which is what is so significantly different than any other religion. And Paul says, because of that, verse 9, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer. He said there, even unto bonds. Oh, I like how he closes it, though. But the word of God is not bound. But the word of God is not bound. And so I want to talk to you a little bit today about that subject, a Bible that is not bound. And uh, boy, how many know a lot of folks are trying to bind it today? Uh, but I'm, it, it doesn't matter. It's not going to be bound. It's not going to be bound. So you may be seated. We're going to pray and we're going to jump right into our simple Bible study this morning. And I hope it'll be a blessing to you. And so let's pray together as a church family. Father, it's been a tremendous service. We thank you so much for your presence. Uh, thank you for your precious spirit. And Lord, uh, I'm glad that I'm, I'm able to come today and preach a message on the Bible from the Bible. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us understand that the book that we have in our lap or in our hand right now is not just any natural book. Lord, it's not a normal book. Lord, it is a supernatural book. It is from supernatural orientation. Lord, it's, a, uh, it, its origin is supernatural. Uh, it's a book that is inspired by the Spirit of God, a book that is infallible, a book that's perfect, a book that has the answer, a book that is the remedy. And so, Lord, I pray that, that you would teach us a truth today that uh, would, would go home with us and stay with us for the long, long haul. 
And so, Holy Spirit, would you fill me now with, with yourself? And I pray that, that uh, my words would not fall on deaf ears, but I pray that, Heavenly Father, the word would hit the mark today. And I pray that Jesus Christ would receive glory and praise from all the students. We close the prayer. God, uh, if there is one here today under the sound of my voice or maybe one watching by way of live stream and they do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, God, would you save their soul today? Help us, we pray, Father. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Our text this morning is verse number nine. Now, Paul said, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer. And then he said, even unto bonds, even unto bonds. Uh, Paul is saying here that I'm bound, even unto bonds. It's the idea of someone who has a disability, someone that is disabled uh, in, in some fashion. Or it means this, it, it means that someone that may have some type of in, uh, impediment, You've heard of someone having a speech impediment or may, maybe a hearing, uh, they're hearing impaired. That's what the Bible's talking about. But I want to focus in on this one. It's the idea of someone being in shackles, which is why I sort of picked this backdrop today. Uh, shackles, which by the way, is something that Paul knew all too well about. Now, Paul knew about shackles. Now, Paul knew about being in bonds. Acts 16, 24 Speaking of Paul, the Bible says, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And so Paul knew what it was to be bound. Second um, Timothy chapter one, verse number 16, Paul said, the Lord give mercy unto the house of Anisiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. And so Paul knew about that. He knew about chains. He knew about bonds. He knew about, he knew about being shackled. And, and so Paul is giving us a contrast here. Paul said, uh, when it comes to bonds, Paul said, boy, I know, I know all about that. By the way, that's something we know nothing about in America. And how many know we need to pray for our nation? And I'm, I'm sure hoping that the return of the Lord will be before we have to become accustomed to things like that. And so let's all, man, let's all pray together. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But Paul said, I know about bonds. <clears throat> Paul knew about being bound. But the truth, and the truth is that we as humans are bound. We're bound. We're bound by, by certain elements. We're bound by, by certain things. For instance, <clears throat> we're bound by time. Now, the Lord is not. But we are. We're bound by time. <clears throat> Sometimes it seems like there is not enough time to get everything done. I mean, sometimes at, by, the, by the end of the night, when I say the end of the night, I mean the end of the night. I mean 10, 11 o'clock at night. Now, there's still a list. There's still things that need to be done. And sometimes you, you come to the end of the day and you're thinking, Lord, there is not enough hours in the day to get everything done what, uh, th that I need to get done. We are bound by time. I thought about this, we are bound by ability. We're bound by ability. Boy, I enjoyed the special today. Wasn't that wonderful? I uh, appreciate Brother Abel. I think it was Brother Abel playing over here today. I have to look sometimes because you never know who's going to be there. And, uh, but I, I, I appreciate that. Enjoyed the choir. 
and my, my little redhead was uh, playing for the choir. And I would love to do that. I would love to walk over there and scoot behind that piano and just start tearing it up. Have you ever sat there and thought, that looks like so much fun. And I would, I would love to do that, but I'm bound by ability. Now I can, I can take lessons and all those kind of things and, and, and maybe should, uh, but I'm bound by ability. I can't just slide in behind that piano or that keyboard uh, like this game does and some of our other folks. And these guys play the guitars and, and the violins and, and, uh, and, and all these different in, in instruments. And, and I, I can't do that. Well, sometimes I wish I, I wish I could, but I'm bound, I'm bound by ability. Not only that, but I thought about this. We're bound by laws. We're bound by, by laws. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, we're bound by the law of gravity. We're bound. You say, not me. Yes, you are. You say, I'm different. I can't help it. You're bound. You're bound by the law of gravity. If you don't believe it, pop that door open at 35,000 and step out. You say, I'll have a parachute. Doesn't matter. You're still bound. You can put that parachute on. You're not going up. You're going down. Because you're bound by that law of gravity. We're bound by the law of physics. I can't be two places at one time. I wish I could. Boy, that, wouldn't that be convenient? If you, could, if you could be at work and be at home sitting in your easy chair. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, but, we're, but we can't do that. Now, the Lord can. The Lord's not bound. By the way, there will come a day when we will no longer be bound by time or gravity or, or even physics. Uh, but, but at this time, we, we are bound. Some of you here today are bound by health. There are some things that you can't do that you wish you could do, but because of different health situations, you're not able to do what you want to do. Why? Because you are bound by different things. But here I said all that to say this, but I'm glad that I'm preaching from a word today, from a Bible today, that although you are bound and I am bound, hallelujah, this word is not bound. And by the way, we can even go a step further than that. Not only is it not bound, it cannot be bound. Paul said that very clearly. The word of God cannot be bound. It will not be bound. And of course, we know after studying history that that many people down through the ages have tried their best to try to bind the word of God. And they tried to, they tried to squelch Christianity, but it's still going and it's still flourishing. And the more you try to persecute us, the more it grows. And, uh, and I'm glad that I, I have a, a holy word of God that is powerful and that is great and, and that, uh, that cannot be bound. I've got a few history buffs in here today. I love history. I thought this might help you. It was February the 23rd, 303, when a fellow by the name of Diocletian, Diocletian was, 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 was basically the ruler of the then known world, and Diocletian ordered that the newly built Christian church at Nicodemia be destroyed and its scriptures be burned and its treasures seized. February the 23rd was the feast of the Terminalia. For Terminus, the God of Boundaries. And listen to this. It was the day they would terminate Christianity once and for all. 
And Diocletian said that we will rule out the word of God. We will annihilate the word of God. We will get rid of the word of God. Well, history tells us that, that the next ruler, Constantine, when converting to Christianity, he requested that the copies of, uh, uh, that copies of the scriptures be made for all the churches. But the belief was that Diocletian had completely obliterated, and that's the word they used, that he had completely obliterated the word of God. And so Constantine came up with an idea and he said this, he said, I'll give a substantial reward for anyone who could produce a copy of the scripture. Within 25 hours, 50 copies of the Bible were brought to him. Now you say, pastor, what's your point? My point is you can't do anything about this book right here. It's here to stay. And it doesn't matter who's against it, it's here to stay. We all know the name Adolf Hitler, Adolf Hitler and his ruthless Third Reich. And, and as Adolf Hitler began to take over the world, and, and literally that was his goal, to take over the world, uh, Hitler decided he was going to close churches and burn Bibles and burn religious books and do away, with, uh, do away with Jesus Christ. But how many know that Hitler is gone? But thank God the Word of God is still here today. And there have been many people throughout the world that have done their best, and many of you have heard me say this before, but there was a French philosopher by the name of Voltaire, and Voltaire said that, uh, he said that I will, I will in my day, he said, I will prove Christianity wrong, and he said, we will destroy the word of God. You say, Pastor, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. 50 years after Voltaire died, the Geneva Bible uh, Society bought his home, and they bought his printing press that that he used to print his godless materials on and they begin to print stacks and stacks of Bibles and they use his own house to store Bibles, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of Bibles. And I'm just telling you that, hallelujah, we have a Bible that cannot be bound. It cannot be bound. I want to give you today quickly today, I want to give you some practical lessons concerning God's word. Number one is this. Sadly, and I'll start with the negative. Sadly, the word of God can be rejected. It cannot be bound, but it can be rejected. And often it is rejected. And let me tell you why this book is so rejected. Because it doesn't always line up with our wants and our wishes. The word of God's very clear, very true. The word of God pulls no punches. It doesn't beat around the bush. The word of God's very candid. The word of God's very honest. The word of God tells it like it is. The word of God doesn't apologize. By the way, neither should we for standing on God's word. And so because the word of God doesn't, doesn't line up with our culture, doesn't line up with our generation, doesn't line up with our society, there are people who try, who try to reject the word of God. In fact, James chapter one and verse number 23 likens this book to a mirror. It likens the Bible to a mirror. Now, you say, Pastor, what, what's significant about that? Well, how many know this? That a mirror doesn't lie. It tells the truth. Have you ever went and stood in front of the mirror and said, mirror, mirror on the wall? Who's the fairest of them all? Have you ever stood in front of the mirror and said, mirror, could you please make me skinny today? I mean, you stood in front of the mirror and you said, yes, yeah, thank you. No, it doesn't. It shows you just how many pounds you need to lose. That's right. Have you ever went to the mirror and said, mirror, mirror on the wall? 
would you give me a bushy head of hair? <laughs> but it didn't happen, did it? You see, that mirror, that mirror shows you what you are. That mirror shows you every blemish. It shows you every mistake. It shows you every pimple. It shows you every mark. It shows you every problem that you may have. It shows you the hair out of place. It, 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 it shows that cold sore uh, on, your, uh, on your face. And sometimes you're like, man, I wish I, I wish you didn't have to see that. But that's what a mirror does. A mirror reflects what you are. And my dear friend, that's why this world is doing their best to try to destroy this book because this book is like a mirror and it shows this world what it really is and it shows this world that there is a need and the need is Jesus Christ. Well, we don't believe that. We don't believe that. doesn't matter because the mirror is still working today and the mirror will show this nation and it'll show you and it'll show me what we need. But because it doesn't line up with our wants and it doesn't line up with our wishes, a lot of times it gets rejected. We read the story in in Jeremiah chapter 36, you don't have to turn there, but in Jeremiah church, uh, chapter 36, interesting story. The Bible says that a, a fellow by the name of Jehuda went and he fetched the roll. He fetched the word of God and he brought it to the king. And the Bible says that he began to read it to the king. Interesting story, Jeremiah 36. The Bible says, and they took it, and the king took his penknife. He took his penknife, and I would definitely not do it to my Bible, but he took that word of God, he took his penknife, and he began to cut the pages out. He began to, he began to desecrate the word of God, and he began to, he began to cut it, and he began to, he began to dissect it. By the way, just in case you're wondering, that's still happening today. They're still cutting it up today. Isn't it something how, isn't it something how politicians use the parts of the word of God that are convenient for them to use? but they cut out the parts they don't want to use. And politicians will stand up and they'll say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But boy, there's other parts of the scripture they'll cut out by the way. Not just politicians, preachers are doing that. Preachers are coming in uh, on this day and they're just preaching the parts that they want to preach and they're preaching the parts that are popular to hear and they're preaching the parts that, 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 uh, that itching ears don't want to hear. And I'm, again, I'm just saying this, that because the word of God, you say, preacher, what is the big deal about the word of God? I mean, what is it about this book that, uh, that is so controversial? And I'll tell you what it is. It is like a mirror and it shows people who they are. And so sadly, the word of God can be rejected, but I love this next one. Number two, the word of God can revive. The word of God can revive. Turn over to Psalm 119 this morning, if you would. Psalm 119, and look at verse number 25 today. Psalm 119, verse number 25, great passage of scripture here. And the psalmist, of course, every, every verse in Psalm 119 has something to do with the word of God. You read that, it's the longest chapter in your Bible, but every verse has something to do with God's word. And in Psalm 119 and verse number 25, the psalmist said this. He said, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. And then he said this, quicken, quicken thou me according to thy word. Same chapter, skip down to verse number 107. The psalmist said, I'm afflicted very much. Verse 107, I'm afflicted very much. And then he says this, quicken me, O Lord, according unto thy word. What's that mean, pastor? The word quicken there means to revive. 
It means to make it alive. And the psalmist said, Lord, I'm, I'm afflicted. But he said, would you, would you make me alive through your word today? Quicken me through your word. Well, I'm glad that I preach a book that brings revival. Amen. Brings revival. By the way, it still works today. Still just as powerful today as it was when God gave it to us. I mean, listen, thank God the words of God shall never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And, uh, and I'm so glad that I have a Bible that can bring revival. You know, I thought about, I thought about the story over in 2 Kings chapter 22. Uh, and I, one of my absolute favorite, uh, favorite Old Testament stories is the story of King Josiah. King Josiah. You say, preacher, who was King Josiah? King Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. They made him the king at eight years of age. Can you imagine? Now, you go back and study Josiah's life and study his background, you'll find out that Josiah had a daddy. His name was Ammon. Ammon was one of the most wicked kings Israel ever saw. In fact, let me tell you how bad he was. He was so bad. He was so, uh, the, the, the people couldn't even tolerate him. He was so bad that he only served two years and they killed him. They assassinated him. That's how bad that Ammon was. That was, that was Josiah's daddy. But then Josiah had a grandpa. The king before Ammon was a man by the name of Manasseh. Manasseh. I know you're not going to believe this, but Manasseh was actually worse than Ammon. In fact, Manasseh was so bad that the Bible says about, uh, about Manasseh, God said, I'm going to judge Israel so harshly. He said that when people hear about it, their ears are going to tingle. That's how, now, that's the kind of family Josiah came from. That's how wicked Israel was. I mean, it was absolutely wicked to the core. And yet all of a sudden, here comes this young man. He's eight years old. He begins to reign. Just a few years later, there's great revival that breaks out all over the kingdom. You say, how, pastor? Well, the Bible says they were repairing the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah, the priest, was down there sort of administrating and taking care of things. And, uh, and, and I can see Hilkiah come down there clearing all the rubbish out. It's literally been destroyed. The house of God's been destroyed. And they're clearing out all, all the rubbish. And, and they come across a scroll. They didn't, have, they, didn't have a, uh, they didn't have a Bible like this right here back in that day and time. And I'm sure that they came across a scroll. And, and it was maybe in some type of a container. And, uh, and they thought, wow, that's, that's, that's interesting. And, uh, and, uh, and Hilkiah uh, uh, opens it up. And he takes it to the scribe. And the scribe begins to read it. And he says, man, you know what this is? This is the word of God. They take that scroll to the king, Josiah, a young man, just a young man. And they begin to read the word of God. They hadn't heard it in years and years. It's been buried. It's been lost. And the scribe begins to read the word of God to the king. And the Bible says that Josiah rent his garments and he said, this is the words of God. And you read the story, great revival began to break out all over the kingdom. Now that's interesting, interesting to me, that the religious leadership finally found the word of God. By the way, wouldn't it be a great day when the religious leadership would find the word of God? 
I'm not against programs. I'm not against all these other things that churches are doing, but I'm just saying this. You know what? It might be time for us to just get back to the book again. And uh, listen, I love good music. I, I, I love, uh, you know, if you want to do a drama, that's okay with me. Uh, you, if, 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 if you want to do a cantata, uh, that's okay, I guess. I, whatever you want to do. But I'm just saying it is high time that religious people find the word of God again. And it's high time that churches find the word of God again. And by the way, when the religious crowd found the word of God and they passed it over to the governmental leaders, guess what happened? Revival came. And so we find here the word of God can revive. By the way, it'll not just revive the church. It can revive your marriage. You say, Pastor, we're, we're having awful problems. Any advice? Sure do. Get in the book. Oh, I knew you was going to say that. Is there anything else you can tell me? <laughs> Isn't it something when you're preaching, these little thoughts come through your mind? We used to run to mama. She's probably watching. We'd run to mama. I had, I had an older brother. He just turned 60 this week. Three sisters. We love each other to death, but we fought and, and fumed like a bunch of cats and dogs. And, and we'd run to mama. And we'd say, mama, mama. And we'd be fussing. And she'd say, honey, the scripture says, Honey, the Bible says. Honey, Jesus said. And there were times we went to mom. We were, mom, mom, I don't want to know what the Bible says. And a lot of people think, you know, preacher, I knew that's what you were going to say. My marriage is having problems. What can I do? Man, find the word of God. You say, preacher, my home's having problems. What can I do? Find the word of God. Uh, you say, pastor, my, 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 my life is in a mess. My ministry's in a mess. My spirit's in a mess. Uh, you, do you have any advice? And I do. Find the word of God because it's the word of God that can revive. It can revive. But there's a third thing. Number three, I love this one. The Bible tells us the word of God can reach into the heart. Now, look over at Hebrews chapter four this morning, Hebrews chapter four, and look at verse number 12. Some of you have this committed to memory. But look with us, if you will, Hebrews chapter four, verse number 12. The word of God, what's so special about the word of God? It can reach into the heart. Hebrews chapter four, verse number 12, for the word of God is, what is it? It's quick. There's that word again. Revival. Reviving. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Notice this phrase. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. Man, if I read that right, that means the word of God has an impact on your spiritual life. It has an impact on your physical life. And it, now notice this, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now I can't, this morning, I can't reach into your body and touch your heart, but a surgeon can. He knows how to do it. He's been trained, he's went to school. He knows how to use a scalpel. He knows exactly where to cut. He knows exactly how deep to cut. And so it is with the word of God. I can't, and that's the truth. As your pastor, I don't have the power to reach into your heart and touch your spiritual heart. But man, what is so exciting? You say, well, preacher, if that's the case, why are we here? I'll tell you why. Because although I cannot, hallelujah, I have a book that can. <laughs> 
And this book has the ability, yes, 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 this book has the ability to reach inside where nobody else can reach and it can take an x-ray of your heart, your spiritual heart. And by the way, it'll tell you how healthy you are. It'll tell you how sick you are. And this book that I have here today can perform surgery on your heart. And by the way, it can change your heart forever. You don't have to turn there. Jeremiah 31, 33. The Lord said, and I will put my law into their inward parts and write it in their hearts. Romans chapter two, verse number 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness. Hebrews chapter eight, verse number 10 I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 16. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And again, I, I, I know I sound like a broke record this morning, but you say, Pastor, why is the, words, uh, the world so opposed to this book right here? Why are they so opposed? And I'll tell you why. Because this book is not like any other book. It's not like a book you check out of the library. It's not like Sports Illustrated. It's not like Better Homes and Gardens. This book is not uh, like some kind of a sports art. I'm telling you, this book has the ability to reach down way inside of you and get a hold of your heart and begin to make a change in your home and your life and your family and your world and your nation. And that's why the world opposes this book so, uh, so drastically. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? So you've heard the story. There was a guy, he was a pickpocket. He was out at a venue one day. It was a busy venue. There were people everywhere. And he was looking for a, he was looking for a good, uh, you know, a good snatch. And so he walked by a gentleman and he had a giant wallet sticking, sort of sticking out of his pocket. And so the man went by and he did his handiwork and he just very carefully and gently lifted that wallet out. He slid it on his person, made his way to the house. And he thought, man, this thing surely has got a lot of money in it. Well, when he got home, he realized that it was not a wallet. It was a Bible. It was a New Testament. And he, when he found out it had no money and it was a New Testament, he got aggravated and he took that New Testament and he slung it across the, the room and it hit the wall and it went on the floor and he was aggravated. And that Bible laid there for a little while. One day he picked it up and he began to go through it and he, and he thought, you know, these pages, the way these pages feel, he said, I think this would make a good cigarette. So every day he started tearing a page out. He'd, he'd pour some tobacco in it and he'd roll it up and he'd smoke a cigarette using the pages of that Bible every day. But then one day he made a mistake. He decided to read the page before he rolled it up and smoked it. And on this day, it smoked him, brother. Amen. And so he tore the page out and he thought, I'm just going to see what's on this, in this book. And he began to read the pages and, 
Uh, and the next day he read a little bit more and the next day he read a little, bit, a little bit more and the next day he read a little bit more and long story short, that book reached into his heart and it began to change him and it came to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and God changed his life and I just want to say three cheers for the word of God, amen. It is able, hallelujah, it is able to revive and it is able to reach into the heart. Amen. Aren't you glad you have a copy of the Bible today? Let me bring it to a close. How about this? I like this one too. Number four, the word of God can reinforce the Christian. Turn over to Psalm 1 and we're done today. Psalm chapter 1. What a scripture. Listen, if you're going to memorize a scripture, I'm getting ready to give you a good one to memorize. Psalm chapter 1 and verse number 2. Notice what, our, what, what the psalmist says. They're so important. Psalm chapter 1. And verse number two, the word of God can reinforce the Christian. Psalm 1 verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Look at verse 3. The psalmist said, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. In other words, uh, this tree is, is likened to a tree that's got, got a substantial uh, uh, you know, supply of water and nutrients and this tree is just flourishing and growing uh, because of where it's planted. And the psalmist said this, he said, if you and I will get into, in, into the word of God, we as well will be planted like this tree. This book has the opportunity and the power to reinforce it. You say, well, pastor, I read it on a, you know, I read it on, a, on, on, a, on Monday and it didn't do anything for me. Then read it on Tuesday. And you say, well, pastor, I went back and read it on Tuesday. It didn't, didn't do anything for me. Then read it on Wednesday. You say, preacher, I'm going to be honest with you. I read it all week long this week. It didn't do one thing for me. Oh, yes, it did. Yes, it did. We said, you know, pastor, I didn't, I didn't really feel excitement, you know. That's okay. You just keep reading it. Because God promises that if you'll plant yourself in the word of God, you're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Back during Christmas time, my wife and I, we had one of these inflatable snowmen in the front yard. Cute. It was cute. That's what my wife would say. Cute. It was cute. Precious. That's right. It was precious. And uh, anyway, we've had it for several years. And so we put it up for the grandbabies and they like it. And so I, I put it out in the front yard and I staked it out and we blew it up, you know, and uh, it's got a light in it so you can see it at night and all that kind of thing. Well, it was out there for days and days and then one morning I came out and uh, Frosty was gone. I mean, he vacated the premises. He was gone. I mean, I'm talking everything was gone, everything. And I, I went and told my wife, I said, what in the world? I said, uh, she said, do you think maybe somebody came by and stole it? We figured maybe somebody was messing around and just came by and pulled it up. But that night we had some wind. And I didn't think about it. I should have deflated him. But that night we went in and the wind got really, really hard that night. And as the wind came, it, it blew the snowman completely away. I found him several days later. I found him down in the woods. He was totally deflated. He was all torn up. He was messy. By the way, he's unusable. Well, I think there might be a picture right there too. I had to throw him away. Literally, literally, I couldn't use him. Now, 
You know why that snowman blew away? He wasn't very anchored. I had some stakes out and some strings and things like that, but he wasn't very anchored. Wait a minute now. Hold on, hold on. We have at our house, we have several pin oaks in our, our yard. They're still there. In fact, did you know after that windstorm, they didn't move one inch. They're still in the same exact place they were when the storm came. And after the storm was gone, they're still in the exact same place. You know why? They are planted. They're planted. And the psalmist said that if you and I will get in this book right here and devour this book, you'll not have a string here and there or a stake here and there. My dear friend, you'll be planted You'll be reinforced so you can continue on serving the Lord. What a book. What a book today. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, thank you for this time we've had together. And Lord, thank you for giving us the Bible. Thank you for giving us thy precious word. Father, would you give somebody a hunger to get in the book today? Oh, Lord, would you give us... Would you give us some people of the book at Calvary Baptist Church? God, would you burden the heart of that young person, that young man, that young lady to get in the Bible? God, would you, would you help some moms and dads to, to start a family altar and to get around the Word of God? Lord, would you help that Christian that has been reading it some, but they thought about stopping because it really hasn't. They, they didn't think it was doing a whole lot for them. Lord, would today, would you, would you make them decide, I'm going to read it again tomorrow and the next day. And Lord, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to trust you. And I'm just going to keep on reading it. And God, would you give us some people of the word today? Oh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be thankful for the Bible. Lord, we are bound but hallelujah, the word of God is not bound. Father, I pray that, that you'll speak to hearts today. Lord, it could be there's somebody here in this church that's lost and undone without Jesus. I pray today would be the day they'd come to know the Lord. Father, please do that. Have your way in the invitation. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Right before we stand, just a question or two. I wonder how many are here today without anybody looking around. And you'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I am saved and going to heaven when I die. I can take you back to a, to a time, maybe not the exact day or date or the exact time on the clock, but you say, Preacher, I can take you back to an event where I know Jesus saved my soul. If you can say that between you and the Lord, would you just slip your hand up and you can take it right back down. I can't tell you what a blessing that is to look around and see that right there. Wow. But I want to ask this too. I wonder how many would be here today and I'm, I'm, ask, I'm going to ask you to get really, really honest. And right now you'd say, Pastor, I could not raise my hand in all sincerity. If I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I would go. And I want you to pray for me. Is there one like that anywhere? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come back and try to drag you down the aisle. I ne would never do that. But I, 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 I want to pray for you. I'll not pray for you by name. I just want to, God, I don't know who you are. 
But is there one here today who would say, Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you please pray for me right now? You'd slip your hand up and let me pray for you. Raise it real high. Raise it real high so I don't miss you. Raise it real high. Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. So I want to ask this. Are you a student of the Word of God? Are you in your Bible like you need to be? Are you reading and studying the Word of God? Asking God to teach you, asking God to show you things from His Word. Maybe there's somebody here this morning, you've sort of given up on it. So I'm going to ask you to do something. When we stand, I'm going to ask you to make your way to an old-fashioned altar. And today, I want you to tell the Lord, Lord, I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep on reading the Word. I'm going to keep staying in the Word. If God has spoken to your heart, I want you to come. Let's all stand this morning. Father, thank you for this time we've had together today. And Lord, I want to thank you for the Bible. Lord, I pray that you'll forgive us for our lack of Bible reading. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to, to get in thy word and to read and to study and to devour this book on a daily basis, a regular basis. And Heavenly Father, I pray this as well. I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us understanding. And I pray that thy word would change and quicken our lives. Save that one that's lost. And Father, I pray that you'll encourage that one that may be discouraged today. Have your way in the invitation, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name.